Thank you for joining ReachMD XM157 for this month's special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry. What are the most promising drugs that could benefit patients with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, in the future? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on neurology. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. William Burke. Dr. Burke is a Professor of Neurology and Associate Professor of Medicine and Neurobiology at St. Louis University Health Sciences Center. Welcome, Dr. Burke. Thank you for having me. Today we are discussing the research on a neuroprotective agent for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS. Dr. Burke, tell us briefly, what is ALS? Well, just before I get started, and I will answer your question, I want to make sure that nobody thinks that I'm recommending they ought to try what I'm going to recommend. What I'm recommending is for research purposes only in animal models of ALS, because what I'm going to recommend has some significant side effects, and it has to be looked at very carefully. Thank you for clearing that up. Well, ALS is what they call motor neuron disease. It affects the motor neurons in the spinal cord, in the brainstem, and in the upper parts of the brain. And these neurons, when they die, they cause symptoms of weakness, and it can be very focal. It could start in one hand or one arm. It could start in a foot or a leg. It could start with decreased swallowing. It can start in different areas. But eventually, it spreads. If it starts on one side, it goes to the other. If it starts in the upper body, it goes to the lower body, and eventually it will affect the upper motor neurons. And the symptoms are weakness, muscle wasting. You lose the muscle. And one particular characteristic is that you get what they call fasciculations. Your muscles will start jumping. Just little fibrils in your muscles will start jumping. So that's one of the characteristics. Also, when the upper motor neurons are affected, you can get spasticity. You can get very stiffness in your legs and in your arms. So it's a primary motor neuron disease with motor manifestations. Why does it occur? It occurs because these neurons in the spinal cord and the anterior horn cells of the spinal cord and in the brain stem, some of your motor cranial nerves affecting speech and swallowing or in the upper cortex, those neurons die. Now, why do those neurons die? I don't think it's well known why they're dying, but there are some theories as to why this is happening. Two of the theories are that there's a decrease in axonal transport, and there's some recent findings by Strong and his group at Toronto, which shows that there's phosphorylated tau in some of the neurons in ALS. And phosphorylated tau is also found in Alzheimer's disease, and it's actually one of the markers for Alzheimer's disease is a neurofibrillary tangle, which is made up of phosphorylated tau. And in Alzheimer's disease, we looked at this, and this is one of my areas. ALS is not my major area of interest, but Alzheimer's is. And I started a brain bank here at St. Louis University, and we looked at several sets of neurons in the brainstem. And we found in all of these neurons that there was defective transport. What we did is we measured the enzymes that were specific to the neurons. For instance, there's a group of neurons called the locus ruleus neurons. So we measured tyrosine hydroxylase and dopamine beta hydroxylase. And there's 
epinephrine neurons. We measured the enzyme for that. So what we showed is that there was a buildup of these enzymes in the cell body, and they were decreased in the terminals. So we concluded from that that there's a defect in transport. Now, the fact that there was found this phosphorylated tau in ALS suggested that there might be defective transport in ALS. And also, there's a couple of models for ALS that involve defective transport. If you overexpress neurofilament protein or if you overexpress a shortened form of tau, then motor neurons die and you get some symptoms in these models, these rat models or mouse models, you get symptoms that are very similar to ALS. And in one particular study, Trudernowski's group used a compound called Taxol. Now, Taxol is used to treat various kinds of tumor, breast tumor, ovarian tumor. And they showed that in their model, there was a mouse model where they overexpressed a shortened form of tau. And these mice developed a loss of their axons, their motor axons. And when he gave the Taxol, first of all, in the transgenic mouse, he showed that the proteins, the fast transport proteins, the transport was decreased. And when he gave the Taxol, the transport of these proteins actually increased. And not only that, the mouse motor system improved. There was an improvement in their motor strength. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. William Burke. Dr. Burke is a professor of neurology and an associate professor of medicine and neurobiology at St. Louis University Health Sciences Center. We are discussing his research on a neuroprotective agent for ALS. Dr. Burke, you were speaking about Taxol. Can you continue, please? Yes. The other mechanism besides defective transport, which we think could be a mechanism in ALS, is calcium overload. One of the theories of ALS is there's too much of a transmitter called glutamate. Now, what glutamate does, it's the major transmitter in the brain, and one of the things it does is it opens calcium channels, and it allows calcium to leak into the cells. And in fact, the only treatment that's approved for for ALS is a compound called Riluzol. And what that does is it blocks the release of glutamate onto the motor neurons. And it's thought that at least one of the effects of this glutamate and the protective effect of gorillazol is that it decreases the amount of calcium that's flowing into the neuron. Now, we did a study quite a number of years ago, as I was interested in mainly in Alzheimer's disease. We thought, well, there's defective transport. Well, what Taxol does is it basically supplants tau. It binds to the same binding sites on tubulin, which is it forms these microtubule transport system. It's the main roadway. It's like a railroad track. And the tubulin, when it links up together, forms a railroad track. And the thing that stabilizes this railroad track of tubulin is a protein called tau. When tau gets phosphorylated, as it may do in ALS, and which it does do in Alzheimer's disease, it can't bind to these microtubules, and the microtubule transport system breaks down. But Taxol binds to the same sites, and it stabilizes the microtubule system. And one of the things that causes disaggregation of the microtubules is calcium. And 
We did a study in which we used a calcium ionophore, a, a chemical which allows calcium to leak into the cell, and we showed that Paxol will protect against calcium-mediated cell death by binding to the microtubules and stabilizing these microtubules. So we think at least it's worth looking in the animal models of ALS, looking at Taxol to see if it might help stabilize the microtubules and provide a longer-lasting life to the anterior horn cells and decrease the signs and symptoms of ALS. Well, it sounds very promising. Do you have any plans to extend your animal models to human? You know, right now, I'm not into ALS at all. The main thing I'm doing now is Parkinson's research. I just happened to make the suggestion because a paper came up in neurology in which they listed a whole bunch of medicines that they were going to try for ALS in animal models. And I suggested, well, why don't you try Taxol because two of these mechanisms should be affected by Taxol. Should be, it should stabilize microtubules and it should uh, block calcium-mediated cell death. So I just made this suggestion, but I myself am not doing ALS research. I had a friend that had ALS, and that's how I got really interested in it. Could you expand upon that, please? Yes. I had a friend of mine, a boyhood friend I knew for many years. I was about 10 years old, and I knew him all his life. I went to school with him. He became vice president of a mega corporation, and he retired in his early 60s. And shortly after he was retired, he lived next to my brother on a lake, and my brother asked him to help him move his peer in. They moved their peer in every fall. And he couldn't do it. He was just so weak. So he went to a doctor, went to a neurologist, and he found out he had ALS. Eventually he succumbed to it. So it was uh, pretty tragic. So I looked up a whole bunch of things on ALS from then on. I started looking into it. So that's one of the main things I was interested in when I wrote this suggestion to neurology. Are there other agents that are used in animal research similar to Taxol? I think there are other agents that are microtubule stabilizing agents, but I'm quite sure that there are, and they may have less side effects. Taxol does have side effects. What are the side effects? Well, one of the pertinent side effects is it can cause a neuropathy, a painful sensory neuropathy. You know, a lot of women take it for breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and about 50 to 60% of them can come down with uh, neuropathy. Fortunately, it's mainly a sensory neuropathy, and there are some treatments for it. But it's one of the concerns that people would have, because if you have a neuropathy and you have ALS, and if the neuropathy was a motor neuropathy and affecting motor neurons, it could make the ALS worse. So that's a reason that people shouldn't go out and just try this. There needs to be very careful studies about it, and whether it's helpful, whether it makes it worse. And it may not be the ideal compound itself, but people should look into what they call microtubule stabilizing agents. And there's one group, the other potential problem with it, it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier very well. But there are ways of making it, of changing the molecule, so it does cross the blood-brain barrier. And people at the University of Kansas are looking into that. So I think the main point of this is that hopefully... Somebody interested in ALS research will look into microtubule stabilizing agents as a way to slow the disease down and uh, stop it altogether if possible. Has there been any collaboration among researchers like yourself with Taxol and other agents as well? You know, 
I know a couple of people that are looking at Taxol. Trojanowski's group at University of Pennsylvania is looking at. He has a very large lab. Also, there's a group in University of Kansas that is looking at Taxol, and they're very good. They found a way of manipulating the molecule so it will cross the blood-brain barrier. But it's really not my area of research, so I'm not really up to date on all the latest things that are happening. I want to thank Dr. William Burke, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the research on a neuroprotective agent for ALS. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this month's special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.